A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. Welcome to the Ted Lasso Podcast. We're the Lorehounds, your guides to purchasing the best avocados. I'm John. And I'm David. And this is our coverage of the Apple TV Plus original series, Ted Lasso. In this podcast, we'll be discussing our top three moments from the episode before having a light discussion of season three, episode three, titled 451. That's a lot of numbers there. Be sure to stick around to the end of the podcast for programming notes about our podcasting schedule for the rest of March. Quick housekeeping, for early access to ad-free episodes and exclusive content, visit patreon.com slash thelorehounds. Send us feedback at thelorehounds.com slash contact or lorehounds at thelorehounds.com, or head to our Discord server linked in the show notes. And if you're enjoying our content, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. All right, David. Let's do a quick reminder about how we're covering this season of Ted Lasso. Yes. So uh, we're keeping it light. We're keeping it fast. We, uh, I've got a new feature for us this week, our uh, laugh out loud moment. So after you do a synopsis, we'll each do a, uh, one of the comedy bits that made us laugh out loud the loudest, like the one that really just made you, you know, fall out of your chair. And then we will cover our top three moments each. Um, and then we've got a quick little bit of feedback, and that will be that. Quick, uh, quick uh, inside information. If you haven't heard uh, the interview, Brett Goldstein was on NPR's Fresh Air. We'll put a link in the show notes below. And Brett Goldstein's the actor who plays Roy, Roy Kent. He's one of the writers. And one of the cool stories that he tells is about how he went from being a writer to an actor, as well as talking about some of the uh, psychology behind the show and some of the things that they're dealing with. But it's a really lovely interview. So definitely check that out if you want some more um, Brett Goldstein in your life. Very cool. All right, John, you want to uh, run us down on the synopsis for the episode? Sure. Colin goes about his morning routine with a romantic partner. Richmond anxiously awaits Zava, who shows up two hours late and misses his welcome party. Once in Richmond, he charms everyone but Jamie Tart, who is insecure about his power ranking on the team. Taking charge of the team's strategy and putting himself front and center, Zava sends everyone behind him on the field and causes Colin to be put on the back burner. Rebecca sees a psychic who first appears to be a fraud, but later may have earned Rebecca's trust. Keely has Shandy shadow her at work, 
where she promotes Zava's arrival. Ted calls Michelle, and her phone is answered by their former couple's therapist, who is now dating her. Ted almost has a panic attack at the game against the Wolves, but Zava's prowess snaps him out of it. Richmond then goes on a winning streak while Ted sinks into depression over Michelle. Nate and Rupert are not happy about Richmond. Sam invites the team to his restaurant where Sassy Smurf tries to woo Ted and Roy offers to train Jamie to be better than Zava. Rebecca gets a green matchbook. On his way home, Trent sees Colin kissing his partner. All right, it was a packed episode. Uh, there was just was. so much in this. It's so hard to like narrow it down to like top three or you know uh, single moments because uh, we watched it. Th- I watched it three times. Thrice. Once on the first uh, outing, then once to do my notes, and then my spouse and I watched it the other night, and I was laughing just as hard on the third watch as I was watching on the first one. So I- I'm really loving this show. This is it's, I'm just having so much fun, especially after The Last of Us. It's nice to have this lovely, light, fun, really yep. goofy uh, show. So Yeah, we needed a palate cleanser. Yeah, for sure. John, what was your uh, biggest laugh out loud moment from the episode? My biggest laugh out loud was, fuck yeah, Princess Diaries. <laughs> that was a good one. Deep cut. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know what the thing is? When I was like, I think like eight years old, that movie came out and my mom wanted to go see it, but my mom didn't have any daughters uh-huh. and so took me instead because I was the youngest child. Right. And I was mortified because I was eight years old, and the culture had taught me that boys of eight years old don't go to princess movies, mm-hmm, Right. but I secretly liked it very much. And later, yeah. in adulthood, when I, I grew out of that toxic masculinity a little bit, uh, I was able to admit that uh, it truly a fantastic movie with, you know, Julie Andrews, as we were talking about, and right. uh, what's her name? Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway, early in her career. Lovely. Right. Anyway, very cool. Very funny. What was your favorite moment? Of, of the laugh out loud variety actually in the same scene where they're all sitting in the office at the at the beginning there when uh ted says jamie's a lot like my mom's precious moments figurine collection and trent says i have no idea what that means and roy said he's a fragile little bitch <laughs> I, just, like, <laughs> I don't know i caught me completely off guard and i just burst out laughing and it at all three times i saw it I had the same reaction. I don't know what it is. I think it was just Roy's delivery. Um, and that yeah. he, knew, he knew exactly what um, Ted was meaning, even though the cultural divide was there. And then his just, you know, his punchy delivery of it just had me in stitches. Oh, he's always great. I mean, anytime Roy Kent delivers a sassy line, everybody's happy. <laughs> yeah, very much so. All right. Well, let's get into our top three moments. Um, As we said, this was a tough episode because there was just so much going on and there's so much that we have to leave to the side. And something that I want to, you know, just offer to uh, our listeners is because there's so much going on, we can't cover it all right in and let us know what your, you know, what what are some of the moments that really uh, impacted you during the episode that made you laugh, uh, stuff that you're tracking. Help us sort of report the show um, while we're doing these uh, this sort of cut down version of our podcast. And then we'll end up covering it anyway. Yes, exactly. Um, all right. So my, my number one moment is Colin, you know, the, the whole thing around being gay on a male sports team and uh-huh. the, the, the difficulty. I, I can't, I, I don't have an, a, a relatable experience. So I'm, I'm going off of what I've learned from other people and just trying to have a little empathy. 
And um, I can't imagine how awkward of a situation that must be for a character. And Colin's a, a character that we didn't really get to know in season one and two. I mean, he was around and he was doing stuff, but this is like a pretty significant storyline. And then the way that they opened the whole episode with him and his partner, like that's a, that's a big deal. Um, but yeah. I, I just, I loved him trying to be inconspicuous, sneaking out of his, uh, his uh, partner's um, apartment. And then he's getting into this like bright orange Lamborghini and he crashes into the rubbish bins. Like it was just... Yeah, the false start was great. It was so good. And, you know, he's got that line like, I'm a strong and capable man, right? So we're like being serious and soulful. And then he crashes his car and it's like, oh, this is... I love this show because they give you these deep moments and then they give you some slapstick humor, which really, you know, like you get the moment, you still get the import of the moment. But then you're balanced by having some lightness and some, you know, humor around the situation. So it was really great. Something I noticed that when they were talking about how they were going to restructure the formation, Roy calls Colin a chameleon, which is really mm -hmm. interesting because he has to be a chameleon to fit in socially. And then we see that um, when um, Michael comes to the restaurant later at the end of the episode. And he's got to, you know, introduce him as his wingman, uh -huh. which is simultaneously sad, right? Because obviously there's a lot of feelings between these two. Like, I, I think Colin's like, my, you know, he's in love, right? I don't right. know that they're going right. to get married, but he really has a lot of, they have a lot of feelings for each other. And how, how, how sucky that must be to have to introduce this person that you're really deeply romantically involved with as like, no, he's just my mate. And, you know, and we're, we're just pals. Um, that's just a shitty situation to be in. So I, I really got a lot of empathy for that. Um, but then there's like, again, then they balance it where they're all talking about being gay for Zava. And then Colin says, all right, you know, uh, you convinced me to have sex with Zava. And it was just like, well, wait a minute. There's like this whole tension going back and forth. And they're just playing it off so well and so lovely that at the same time, it's a very serious and intense issue. but dealing with it in such a, with a, such a light hand and such a fun and frivolous way. Um, yeah, it's a really, I think it's a cool storyline, and I'm really looking forward to seeing where they go with this. And I certainly hope Trent is, is at least an ally, if not also on side with Colin in his orientation. Yeah, so I think they've actually been hinting towards this for a while, because if you recall, when Keeley first brings banter to their attention, Uh-huh. She's describing swiping on people, mm -hmm. and he goes, oh, like Grinder," right in front of the whole team. Oh, I miss it. That's a good callback. Good callback. Yeah, so they've been hinting at this for a while. My wife nice. and I talked about it when we watched season two. Uh-huh. So I yeah. think that when he does finally come out, and I hope that it's on his own terms, the whole team will be like, oh, yeah, we know. Yeah, exactly. You know, he's um, not hiding it very well, and nor, no. nor should he have to. It's just, you know, it's just funny that they've been hinting at this for a long time. I, and I really, one of the things that they're doing in this season two with Isaac, you know, the team captain, um, or he was the team captain in what, two, I think, one or two, I can't remember now. Um, there's a moment in the restaurant where, uh, uh, I think it's in the restaurant where, um, oh, no, no, it's in the pregame prep. Um, and Colin makes a joke about like, oh, I'm a strong and capable man. And Isaac just leans over to him and goes, you're all right, mate, you're good. And it was just so tender, and like, there's such camaraderie among these, this team that when whatever happens with Colin, 
I'm really looking forward to seeing a supportive environment for that to all happen in. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a really interesting storyline. Agreed. I really can't wait to see where this goes. I hope that they don't have Trent just out him because I think that'd be very predictable and not really in line with this show. I mean, you look at how Trent handled Ted's secret and <coughs> sure, he wrote it, but he's also not a journalist anymore, right? He did that because he right. was a journalist. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he also did something that was against journalist rules, but he felt was ethical in his view. Right. And so I don't think he would do the same thing with Colin. And here's hoping, you know, like I said, either, you know, at minimum, I'm hoping he's an ally. At maximum, you know, maybe he's also uh, gay and, you know, he's going to keep that secret or he's going to be supportive uh, character as Colin is working through it. We'll see. Well, let's also just note that Trent Krim has the coolest walking soundtrack. That's two episodes in a row now. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, come on. We got to, I got to get this. Whoever's uh, scoring his life. Yes. I want them to score my life. And he's got a cool walk and he wears cool like punk rock t-shirts. He was wearing a T-Rex yeah. t-shirt at the beginning of the, the episode. Yeah. He's a, he's a very suave dude. He is. And the hair. Oh, yes, boy. That is beautiful All right. Hair. That's enough Trent love. All right, John, what's your number one? My number one was Jamie's Grammar Crusade. <laughs> so good. Because he just took everyone by surprise. I mean, when he says, by the way, I wasn't being ironic, I was being hypocritical. Yes. <laughs> Beard is just shocked. He doesn't know what to do, that Jamie Absolutely. just corrected him on something. He completely floored uh, Beard. It was perfect. I know. And everybody goes, was, was that correct? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're just shocked. And then you have later on uh, pre-Madonna with Roy, and he goes, what the fuck is a pre-Madonna? <laughs> 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 I can't do his accent, but it's very funny to be all the time. Oh, you know, because female singers didn't have to try so hard. And he, I love how he goes, oh my fucking Stevie Nicks. <laughs> <laughs> it so good. He, it's good. interesting where, yeah, where are they taking Jamie? Because he's, he's becoming uh, more sensitive. Um, he's speaking his mind without being a um, jerk about it. Uh, he's, you know, he's got his motivation. He's like, yeah, I want to beat him. But he's not being an asshole about it, right? And he's like, Roy's like, okay, I'll train you. I think we're going to talk about that later. So yeah, it's a really interesting arc for Jamie because uh, he's not at all who he was in the first season. Yeah, no, totally. And uh, you're right. He's more depressed about it than he is dickish about it. Right. Yeah. And then the way that he came in to talk to to Ted was like, hey, can I speak my mind? You know, can I speak to you a minute for a minute? And, you know, he was he was just very straight and matter of fact about it. Yeah. Right. He and he's bring- even honest about himself. Right. He's, mm-hmm. He knows he's being hypocritical. He was given a chance to come right. back when nobody wanted him there. <laughs> hypocritical versus ironic. It was so good. Right. So what was your number two, David? Um, Sam's Restaurant. Just the whole vibe. Like, it seemed like a fun, cool vibe place to hang out. The food seems great. The service seems nice. It just seemed like a place I would love to go to. Um, I also thought it was just a great bonding opportunity for the team, for everyone just to be relaxed and have a little fun without doing crazy, you know, going to uh, the clubs and throwing money around and, you know, shooting champagne all over the place. It was just like, no, this is, we're getting together as this tight group 
um, and we're spending some time together and eating some of the best moi moi that you know we've ever had. Um, and I just I love that you know Sam has this whole second storyline and that there's something really interesting and creative and soulful going on in his life. And the way that they filmed the whole thing. On my third watch, one of the things I was really noticing was how they shot the interactions. They did a lot of racking focus where like somebody's in the background out of focus and somebody's in the foreground in focus and then they switch that. Um, they did a lot of that. They did a lot of like, if you look around the restaurant, you can see different characters sitting with other characters. It was just really lovely. Uh, and I, I just felt like that was a great place that I would love to go to. And then, of course, are we setting up the chef and Sam in some sort of love triangle with Rebecca? Oh, 100%. So we'll see what's going to happen there. Yeah. And, you know, she's much more age appropriate. So, yes, kind of for that. I think that, you know, I sympathize with Rebecca wanting to find love. I do think. And, you know, not that Rupert's any less gross. He's significantly more gross mm -hmm. about what he's doing. But I... I I do think that it's a little icky, especially because he's her employee. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. Well, the biggest part. It's not even the age thing. Is is the employment employer? The, the thing. power. Yes. Exactly. The the power dynamic. And then we dealt with a lot of that last season. I think. Right. We did. Although it kind of went nowhere. Right. So I think that there's still a fallout to be had from that. Sure. Especially right. now with Trent Krim with his eyes on everybody. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> oh no! I've got diarrhea. <laughs> uh, what's your number two? There's so many jokes in this episode. I'm trying to smuggle in as many as I can remember. Uh, what's your number two? My number two is Zava being super wholesome to everyone all of a sudden. Yeah, because what's we up set him that? up. Yeah, we set him up as this asshole the last yeah. episode, and all of a sudden he's just super wholesome and he's mm -hmm. like kind to everybody. He's trying to lift them up. He's like, yo, you know, there's no, uh, there's no me. It's just we. This <laughs> the, the weenus. Yeah. Yeah, the weenus. <laughs> uh, it's it's very interesting, right? Because he, I mean, even when he shows up late, he's like very wholesome about it, mm -hmm. and, and and he mold me. He says right. to Ted. <laughs> he doesn't go like, "Oh, you're inexperienced." Think about how uh, Roy greeted Ted. He go Ted. He goes, "I didn't think my career would end by being coached by Ronald fucking McDonald." Right. <laughs> it's true. And he, uh, he's a yeah, he's filled with gold. Yeah, you just see the difference. And mm -hmm. I don't know if this is... But I guess it's not a good act, right? Because he's been doing this for weeks or months now. We don't even know how much time passed in that montage. Right. And he mm -hmm. still seems to be beloved by the team and by the fans. Yeah. So I don't well, know what's going on here. Everybody loves to talk about Zava. Um, yeah. The, the, the tattoo on his back. <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> And Jesus Christ Superstar. Yes, too. absolutely. And there's some other deep, deeper cut Jesus Christ Superstar thing that happened in uh, season, in episode one. It was in the New York Times uh, is doing a episode by episode review. And my spouse mentioned something to me about it. And there's some connection production to that. And uh, I, I don't have the connection at the top of my head. Maybe somebody can write in. But yeah, it was a, a perfect song for, for that, for the, the tattoo. The one yep. thing I'm noticing, though, while everyone else is completely enamored by him, Rebecca is not. She's immune to his shtick. Sure, but she is also delighted by the fact that he's winning. Well, yeah, of course. And Jamie still is not. Even though they're winning, he's not delighted. I mean, I love <laughs> the, the lens work. I don't know what they did exactly, but they did some kind of 
weird perspective on his face looking up at Zava's tattoo. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. And that looks super cool, especially with his douchey hair yeah. going on the sides. That was yeah. super good. That's great. Um, do you think that there's a possibility that Shandy and Zava might uh, hook up? Maybe. Zava seems like a free love kind of guy. Right. I love your energy. <laughs> it's so off-putting. <laughs> or whatever. I forget what he said, but that was so good. Yeah. Yeah. Shandy's definitely getting fired, by the way. I'm standing by that <laughs> whole thing. I think that she is a wreck. I, I love the running gag whenever um, whenever uh, Keeley mentions that they're friends. Everybody's like, oh, that explains it. <laughs> right. That's so good. Oh, Higgins with the long O. Yes. Oh. Um, do you know, uh, are you familiar with the, the drink Shandy, what a Shandy is? I am not. It's a mixed beer drink, very, uh, very normal in, in uh, Europe and in the UK. And you can get shandies here, various ver- versions of them. Originally, I think it was a ginger beer mixed with regular beer. But now you can, you know, you can get a summer shandy where it's got lemonade or a lot of, you know, a lot of people do like a 7-Up um, mix uh, in their beer. Um, and it can be in the, on, in the summer, it can be very refreshing. So you get that nice beer taste without the heaviness of like drinking a whole beer. So, so I think it's a perfect name for shandy. Yeah. Cool. That sounds good. Maybe I'll try one in the summer. Oh, they, yeah. Just get a can of beer, put it in, uh, you know, fill it up like two thirds and then just fill in a third of whatever your mix is. And 7-Up, you can't go wrong. Like a 7-Up or a Sprite, that's always a good place to start or, or another right. ginger beer. Well, sounds good. So David, what's your number three? Um, Ted and his relationship with Michelle and their therapist and the near panic attack and the, and the whole thing. Um, the, the hard part is, is that Jake actually seems like a, a really nice guy and it seems like Michelle is happy. Um, so it's really tough to, you know, sympathize with Ted a little bit here. It's like, yeah, it hurts. It stings a little, but you know, you, you, you got to move on, man. Um, and I don't think you need to worry, Ted, that your son's going to not see you as his father. You're his father forever. That's it. You know, be a bigger man and, and allow another man into your son's life while you're not there. It's okay. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a, he's having a tough time. Like scraping social media for news about your ex's new partner, that's, that's a bad look. It's not a good not thing. Great. Not healthy at all. It's not great. Yeah. You know, though, at the same time, mm-hmm. I think if it was just a random person, sure. Because when, when she said she was on a date, yeah, then he, she, he didn't like panic or anything. Right. But when he found out that this was someone who he revealed his deepest fears to, mm-hmm. that he relied on to help fix his marriage, and now is, has Vulnerable invaded. In that. It's a kind of vulnerability. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's... it's I think it's really messed up. I think, honestly, that guy should be reported to some licensing board. But, oh, well, yeah. What's the statute of limitations there? Like, it's he's not an active patient. It's been a long time. You know, they, no, it well, wasn't but it's her divorce. too. It's not just him. It's both of them. It was a couple's therapist. Yeah, yeah. He, she was his patient. Yeah, yeah, and that's messed up too. It's, I mean, I don't know. I really don't know the rules. If anyone out there is a licensed therapist and wants to let us know what the rules are at least in your state i know it varies mm-hmm. fascinating yeah, what, because what's the general ethics around it yeah like yeah, is kansas. There a time delay? we can look at kansas you know about kansas anybody <laughs> <laughs> that's right exactly so but, but still just, it's just even if even if it's not it's illegal, icky yeah it's really icky right 
And and I just think that Ted needs to get over it. And I really love the fact that Zava's goal got him over it real quick. <laughs> right? He didn't actually yeah. have a panic attack. So Yeah. He's like, but, oh, but everything's going right now. <laughs> well, before I, I kick you kick it uh, over to you for your number three, I just want to make a, a public service announcement for everyone. Do not play Tetris on the toilet because you're going to get numb legs. Forget about forgetting oh, your phone, yeah. right? Like the numb leg thing is bad, especially when your pants are down and you just try to stand up. I've been there. It's not a good scene. Uh, I'm more right. of a vampire survivors on the toilet guy, which is on your mobile phone, by the way. You can just play it on there. You don't Goodness. even need a console or anything. Well, whatever, t- whatever your game of choice is or scrolling of, you know, uh, doom scrolling is, don't do it for very long. All right, John, what's your number three? My number three is Jamie's insecurity about <laughs> around not being mm, the best yeah. and his vulnerability with Roy, which is a huge turnaround from mm-hmm. previous seasons, other than his hug with Roy last season. Last episode, or a couple episodes ago. Oh, no, I mean uh, when uh, Jamie's dad oh, tried right. to hit him, yeah. and Roy hugged Jamie afterward. That was intense. I, I gotta yeah, go back and rewatch that stuff with Jamie, maybe. That was a good episode, and that was mm-hmm. a good moment. But since then, we haven't really seen any vulnerability with Roy. Right. Just sadness. But right. yeah, this... this um, it, It'll be really interesting to see. I, I, I love the turn that they've given these two characters, that they're now sort of allies in the face of Zava. Not that they're opposed to Zava, per se, but that they can find common cause to and for Jamie to improve himself. I think that's really cool. Well, I think that... What Roy is saying is, don't, don't hate this guy for being better than you. Use him as inspiration to exactly. be better. Exactly. Right? And I think that that's way healthier than going and being jealous. Like, being jealous of Zava is not going to get Jamie anywhere. No. Being inspired by Zava and working hard to surpass Zava is what will get him somewhere. Maybe not past him, but certainly closer to him. Right. You know, maybe he won't be confused for the kit man anymore. <laughs> well, I think it was just that he was sitting down and not he was the only one out of place, right? Yeah. Yeah, he, it's he's kind of his own worst enemy. Right? <laughs> I think he has been shutting himself out more than Zava's been shutting him out. Yeah, and and as Roy says to him, um, you know, having a frown on your face during a winning streak is not a good look. Right. Absolutely. But, you know, that he's not he's no longer a self-absorbed glory hunter who only cares about himself. Like that's a really great like we were saying before, I really like where they're taking Jamie. And I would love to see Jamie like, maybe uh, score a goal on Zava in some way or something, you know, like actually eclipse him, outclass him at, in one of the games. Teach him something. You That's know? right. Yeah. Who knows? All right. Uh, there's so much that we were not able to cover. I've just got to smuggle one more thing in. Uh, the call out to Marvelous Miss Mizell was a great little. Maisel. Maisel. I know I do that. That's one of my things. Oh, boy. Maisel, Maisel. What was the call out to Marvelous Miss Maisel? Um, uh, when Coach comes in, when Ted comes in and makes the joke about, uh, oh, what was it? About the word Sam talks about the cat skills. Um, oh, okay. He goes, no, no. Uh, you know, he was uh, there. He throws out the, the, the Marvelous Miss Maisel uh, reference, and the whole team goes, oh, yeah, that's a really good show. Oh, you know. Um, and they've done that a couple of times over the seasons. They'll call out another show that they like. And you can really see the writers having a lot of fun with the script. So I, yeah. I like that. And one. at least it wasn't just another Apple show, you know, vertical integration kind of thing. It right, was, exactly. It was actually a call out to an Amazon show. So that's pretty wholesome. It's classy. It's classy. I like it. it and uh, 
one thing we I wish we could have had time to talk about, but we can't talk about sassy, classy sassy. So well, fingers crossed she's going to be back. Yep. All right, let's jump into some uh, feedback really quick. Um, there's been some general chatter on our Discord channel, so check out the link in the show notes below and hop over if you've got some uh, things you want to share. Um, some people there are very concerned about the psychic. Lorehound Dumbledore pointed out that Rebecca says earlier on d- during the, um, the Zava uh, welcome party, I'm late. Um, and so she took that as like, oh, you know, the whole family, you know, thing with the psychic. And then Davy Mack is hoping that the whole psychic thing is like a, some sort of uh, bait and switch plot. We'll see. But yeah, there's people are really nervous about what's going on with uh, Rebecca's mother and uh, the psychic. Right. We've got Loremaster Mike G by email. He says, hey there, I've been listening to your show since Second Age. Uh, that really helped me get the most out of Rings of Power. Well, thank you. I'm glad we were able to be of service. Absolutely. Um, I enjoy your lore-based approach and kudos for avoiding any of the pyroclastic meltdowns. Oh boy, we're not talking about <laughs> any volcanism here. I don't um, remember this at all. I do, but I'm <laughs> I Moving on. He says, uh, since then, you've helped me discover new shows, Wheel of Time, White Lotus, Last of Us. Wow, we're actually having a positive impact on people's lives, John. Um, what a delight. And so they say, thank you. Uh, you're welcome, Mike G. Uh, he said, that, that being said, here's a thought. When I had listening to your last uh, Ted Lasso episode, I feel like the theme of season three so far and Ged's journey in the first book of um, A Wizard of Earthsea, which we're doing uh, with Marilyn R. Pukila, our favorite Tolkien scholar, um, that and if you haven't checked that out, definitely go and do that over there. But he says, um, the theme of season three of Ted Lasso and Ged's journey in A Wizard of Earthsea are very similar. Accept and acknowledge your whole self, i.e., name yourself. And I think that was a really clever um crossover between those two prop you know uh, properties. Um thoughts? Yeah, totally. Also, Wheel of Time has that too, but you okay. might not be there yet on your on your journey. Yes. I think that is the main point of mm-hmm. a lot of the character development in Wheel of Time as well. And I, I've talked about on the Wizard of Earthsea podcast how that's probably because he was inspired by Earthsea. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, and similar sources. But anyway, yeah, I mean, I love that. I love that uh, it's similar to, like, Ted's journey is similar to Ged's journey. And, and even you look at Rebecca, you know, being true to herself, being the, the yes. tough person last episode to get Zava. And, yeah. you know, yeah, I mean, I think, I think that is the theme of this season. And I think that it's a powerful theme. And I think that it is very good when it's well done. Yeah, when she was able to set aside the, what Rupert had sort of laid out on her and she was able to discover her own power. She could make things happen, and she made Zava happen. So yeah, um, right. knowing yourself, naming yourself, and owning that is uh, really important. And I think that's what Ted needs to do to get over Michelle. Right. Um, regardless of the creepiness of the the therapist, uh, you know, and that that sort of ethical conundrum. Just that fact that she's with another guy. You know, I think he was already getting oh, moving on, and then this is sort of. Um, given him a half step back. So I think he just needs to keep going on that direction. Yeah. Yeah. The phone number was a hint that he was, I mean, it was explicit, you know, he couldn't remember the phone number. Right. Yeah. He was moving on a little bit and uh, I hope that he can get back to that spot and even beyond. Well, thanks Mike G for uh, being a uh, lore master and writing in from Switzerland. We are global, John. All right. Dan on our Discord had uh, something interesting to say. He said, I'm getting a lot of Lester vibes from this season of Ted Lasso. 
Are the writers laying the groundwork for them to win the league this year? He goes on, both teams have been recently promoted. Richmond are in their first season since being promoted to the Premier League, and Leicester won the title in their second season. Both teams were comprised of mostly journeyman players from lower leagues. Leicester had a happy-go-lucky coach that the media loved, but thought would be the first first coach uh, sacked in the Premier League. Um, uh, Ranieri, I think is his name, uh, famously promised his team pizza if they could keep a clean sheet. Sounds like a Ted Lasso bit that he might employ. Roy Kent, just last episode, said that Richmond should play a 4-4-2, an unfashionable formation Leicester perfected and won the league with. Both teams' best players are named Jamie, Tart versus uh, Vardy. They each had a checkered past and rubbed their teammates the wrong way until they became more professional and became one of the leaders of the team. Uh, a bonus bit, Arlo White, the announcer from Ted Lasso, Lasso is a Leicester fan and did the play-by-play for NBC Sports covering the Premier League season that uh, Leicester won the title, famously calling the game Le- um, Leicester officially won the league, Tottenham melting down at Chelsea. All right. So interesting historical notes from Dan there about the real-world parallels between Leicester and Richmond. First of all, David, I got to say, congratulations on being able to decipher the nonsensical spellings of England. <laughs> I lived there for a while, so I'm a, I'm, uh, I have a, a, a slight inoculation. I, I can't pronounce Galadriel, but I can pronounce Lester. Well, yeah. All right. That makes sense. Um, yeah, I mean, I, it would be very cool to see this come to fruition. I, it's, I mean, the whole thing of Ted Lasso just being a joke from a, a bit on a, what was it, a commercial? Is that mm-hmm. what happened? And it, it blew Sports up to this Center? whole thing where it's actually yeah. deep. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that they're, I mean, we know that they're pulling from Zava, uh, from, from some real football player. And I, I think that they want to have this show speak truth to fans of the game. So mm-hmm. I think that that's a lot of fun. So I'll be, I'll be keeping an eye on this and seeing if your predictions come true. All right. Uh, well, that wraps it up for this episode. Uh, join us next week uh, for episode four. John, should we do our quick shout out to our Patreon supporters? Sure. Special thanks to our Loremaster patrons. These are our $10 tier. We love them dearly. They help us keep the gears turning, as do all our patrons. So thank you, all of you. But especially Samartian, Cyrus, Mark H., Michael G., Michelle E., David W, Brian P, Nick W, SC, Peter OH, Bettina W, Adam S, Nancy M, Lavinia T, Duve 71, Brian 8063, and our newest lore masters, Frederick H and Sarah L. Thank you very much to all of you. Yeah, it, it means a lot to us to have your support, and it actually helps us actually get the podcast produced. So thank you so much. Absolutely. David, do you want to tell everybody about our programming notes? Ooh, we're coming to the uh, end of March. Uh, it was a crazy March, and uh, I'm, I can't believe that we made it through. Um, tomorrow, I think we're having Lorehounds play the first episode of that, of you and Brandon the Bard, covering yeah, The Last of Us Part 1. I think you guys broke that up into two parts. We did. So it's Part 1A, I guess. Okay. and then part- I still haven't decided how I'm labeling that on the <laughs> okay. feed. <laughs> so, uh, and then the second part will come out at the end of April. Um, we've been covering Mandalorian season three every week. We just did chapter five. That is out now. Um, sometime next week, fingers crossed, we will have a review of the season wrap up 
of Bad Batch Season 2, and then a quick discussion of Visions Volume 1, because Visions Volume 2 is going to be out next month, uh, or actually in May. Oh, um, and for our patrons, uh, in a couple of weeks, we're going to have our next episode of Second Breakfast out. We're going to be talking about eggs and raising Arizona. So keep your eye out on our feed for that. Otherwise, we've got a lot of stuff, great stuff coming up in April. Uh, you can head over to our uh, Patreon, and there's a public post there that has our schedule for April. And I will also be posting that in our Discord later today. Very cool. Well, David, it's been a pleasure talking about Ted Lasso with you, and we will see everybody next week. The Lorehounds podcast is produced and published by The Lorehounds. You can send questions and feedback and voicemails at thelorehounds.com slash contact. Get early and ad-free access to all Lorehounds podcasts at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. Any opinions stated are ours personally and do not reflect the opinion of or belong to any employers or other entities. Thanks for listening. A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. <laughs>